0: Can I just say, we're talking about sexual immorality in the church. I just want you to know how much I love my wife. Praise God, amen. You know, the world tells us that we need this and that and the other and you know the younger generations are all into experience and it's got to be this way and that way and you just need lots of uh, of opportunities and lots of partners and you just right right uh, how could you just stay with one person your entire life that's the rhetoric that the world teaches but man are there any happily married men and women in the room this morning <laughs> amen we don't need what the world's selling. Uh, it's better to do things God's way. I was telling my wife just yesterday, and I said this in the Song of Solomon when we preached through Oh, that glorious, wonderful book that glorifies marriage God's way. A man and a woman together in beautiful intimacy and pleasure that creates life on planet Earth. It's a beautiful thing to do it God's way. And here's the deal. I've been married 20-some-odd years now, almost 23 years. It's a quarter of a century. It's a long time. Ask me if I'm bored no, I am, I love my wife. And here's the thing, you know, all the, the Clooney's and the Pitts and all the guys out there just running around doing their own thing, you, you can't have what I have. You just can't, and you'll never know the beauty and the simplicity and the love. That a man can have for a woman, and that a woman can have for a man. God's way is a better way. It just is. Hear me, young people. The world will fill your head with all kinds of nonsense about what marriage is and about what human sexuality is, but it's lies, it's garbage, it's bogus, it won't fulfill, it won't sustain. If you're a young man, find a young woman. Fall in love with a woman. marry, give yourself fully to that woman and allow that woman to give herself fully to you and experience life as God has created it. I didn't realize I was gonna preach before I read the Bible this morning, but I'm having a good time. I love, baby, I can't wait till you're home. Can't wait. I love my wife. I'm thankful for men in this room that love their wives. Faithful, godly men. This room's full of them. Faithful, godly women. This room is full of them. We don't need what the world is selling. We are fulfilled by God's grace through God's creation his creative order is the best way to do things first corinthians chapter five let's pray and we'll start talking about sexual immorality Woo! father i love you thank you thank you for all that you do for us you're such a good god father everything you give All from your grace. Lord, it flows. And it enriches and encourages and builds up our lives. We get to be a part of what you are doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord Jesus, if there was a person in this room who could not pray this prayer, who who doesn't even understand this prayer that I'm praying, Lord God, Grab hold of their heart this morning. Change them. Help them to see. Help them to know who you are and what you offer and how good it is to be in your grace. Lord Jesus, change their world this morning. It is in the name of Christ we pray. And every Christian said, amen. Amen. Man, God's good. I was watching the the video announcements. Okay, this is a rabbit trail already, but it's okay. You guys have been around a while. You know how this goes. Old Johnny. Isn't he great at announcements? Johnny Reese. He just makes you glad you're in church. Our church is full of of guys like that. And you know what I love about Johnny? Johnny. You know, he and I, we don't agree on everything the Bible teaches. I'm a five-point Calvinist. I know all the five solas. Johnny loves me anyway. Isn't that awesome? There's a lot of you out there. We've been talking about divisions in the church. For six, seven weeks. And there's still a lot more to say, isn't there? But I'm just so thankful for you. You know, there's a lot of you in here that when I get on a rabbit trail or I go off around a corner a little too fast, it happens. You love me through it. You love me anyway. Thank you. Thank you for your Christian maturity. Yes, it's mature. <laughs> Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for loving me through my weak spots, my failures, my blind spots, because we all have them. You have them too. And hopefully as we've been walking through these this, uh, divisions in the church, hopefully we can all grow a little more mature. Amen? We don't have to agree on everything, but we do have to agree on the main things. And the main thing is Jesus. He's what brings us together and keeps us together. Amen. Amen. You know, I I mentioned a few preachers last week uh, to you that I listen to. And I love them. And I don't agree with everything. There are sometimes my head spins full circle like in The Exorcist when I'm listening to (laughs) J-Mac. That's John MacArthur, in case you didn't know. There is something when he starts talking about cessationism or, or or something else that he's into. I just I just want to scream. But you know what? I love that brother. I love him. You know why? Because he always brings it back to Jesus. Always gets the gospel. Right, smacks you in the face with it, just right there in the center. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I can love a guy like that, amen, even though I don't agree with everything they say. And many of you in this room, you are that person. Thank you. Thank you for loving Jesus. Thank you for loving his church. Thank you for being an adult and mature in areas that you need to be. Thank you for putting up with the childishness of of so many of us in the church. It's good to be your brother, it's good to be part of the family of God with you. I'm sincerely thankful for you and I hope that you know it. First Corinthians chapter 5, ready? It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among Pagans. From chapter one, starting around verse 12 or 13, through chapter four, divisions in the church, divisions in the church, divisions in the church. All the divisions come from worldly wisdom. What we need is the gospel and the wisdom of, of God in our lives, and that's what's going to help us work out the divisions that are among us. And then right here, chapter 5, bomb dropped. Hammer comes down. How many of you know? Sometime, how many of you have kids? Sometimes the hammer's got to drop. Amen? Nothing. Because they are all asleep this morning. The hammer doesn't drop every verse of every chapter. But there's chapter fives where the hammer gets dropped because the hammer needs to be dropped. Now, Paul is, a, I just want us to understand context. Because some people want to live in chapter five. Some people want to get out their magnifying glass. and They want to go over your life and they want to live in chapter 5 where it's all hammer, 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 hammer. The Bible is not a weapon. The Bible is God's gift to us to know how to live. Amen. This does not need to be a weapon in your arsenal, but it does need to be God's grace in your understanding of how things should look. You know, chapter five of 1 Corinthians has only happened in our church like twice where we've had to look at a guy and say, no more, you're not welcome here. It's only happened like two different times in 15 years. This is not every day. Are we trekking? But this does happen, and when it happens, it's serious. Paul says, "I can't believe what has been reported to me." There is sexual immorality, and not just not just sexu- all sexual immorality is bad. But this is this is stuff that the pagans, even the godless pagans, know. This kind of sexual immorality is wrong. Now. Right? This is the Roman Empire. Romans are perverts, amen? And then you got the Greeks there too, who are gay perverts. <laughs> the famous Roman orator Seneca is, is known for saying we have our wives to bear us legitimate children. Then we have our mistresses to keep us young and full of vigor. And then we have the prostitutes for our own pleasure. This is the society in which the gospel is moving forward and in which uh, uh, Paul is writing to a Christian church. That's context for you. Rome is not known for being pure, but even the Romans know there are, there are some acts of sexual immorality that just should not happen. So what is this act that is occurring? It's reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans for a man has his father's wife. Now, just picture us sitting in church having worshipped the Lord, repented of our sin, asked God to help us uh, be more godly, holy men and women, which is what our confessional time is is for. And then we open God's holy word to, to speak and to hear God's word to us. And there is a man in the front row who's got his arm around his father's wife. Are you trekking? Ooh. <laughs> it's just gross. And Paul, look what he says next. Are you so arrogant? You want to talk about Apollos and Peter and Paul. You want to speak like you're an expert. Right? Somebody gave you a badge, or somebody gave you a, 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 a deacon tile, and you're wearing it on your chest like it's five foot by six foot. You got all the answers, and you're allowing this to happen right in front of your eyes. What are you thinking? Even the pagans know this is not okay. And you are, ought you not rather to mourn? You should be weeping in repentance before God as you come together instead of thinking you're this great people with all the answers dividing over your leaders and you've got this happening right before your eyes. Praise God, I am not aware of anything like this happening in our church, amen. But it does happen occasionally. And when it happens, look. Now Paul is a grace preacher. How many of you need grace? Every day, right? Paul understands grace. Paul understands the gospel. But hear his tone as he speaks into this church through the power of the Holy Spirit and you are arrogant, ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. Now watch his language. Get this guy out of the church. He's gonna, uh, he's gonna infect everything with his contagion of sin. He's gonna make you start thinking in ways you should not be thinking already. He's sitting there and you're allowing it. Watch his language. Verse three. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. What Paul's saying is, man, I'm there with you guys. Just pretend like I'm there, because I am. In spirit, I'm with you. I was part of uh, the church plan. I was there for 18 months. I know you. I love you. I'm with you in spirit, even though I can't be there in person. And as if present... I have already pronounced judgment on the one, right? We don't need to deliberate. We don't need a couple of meetings where we talk through all the ins and outs and all the uh, the ways that this occurred. This is simple. It's wrong. It should be stopped. He must be removed. Just to pretend I'm there with you, judgment's already been passed. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to, hear the language, deliver him to Satan. Nobody likes that the Bible uses a language like this. And can you think of anything worse than to be part of a family, to be part of a church body, to be committed and bought in and loving Jesus? But something happens, and Paul says, Turn him over to Satan. Can you think of anything worse than that happening in your existence? This is, Paul's not a rock shock DJ. But he has chosen his words very clearly here, and it is to jar us. There are some things, there's a lot of failures, there's a lot of blind spots, right? We all need grace every day, but there are some things that are not blind spots. There are some things where purification needs to happen, and it needs to happen quick. And people, now again, in our day and age, we talked about this last week, but remember, right, there's not a church on every corner in Corinth. There's not the Baptists over here and the, and the Presby's over here and the Methodists over here and the Pentecostals over here, right? There hasn't been all the factions and divisions. There's one church, the church that Paul planted in Corinth. It's where God's people in this city worship to be told To be removed, to be turned over to Satan. This is harsh. Sometimes harsh is necessary. And look at the motivation in Paul for turning this man over to Satan. What's his motivation? Is it for this person to be harmed eternally, forever? No, it's for his restoration. It's for his good. Paul knows it's gonna have to be hard. How many of you? So you can only tell your kids so many times to take out the trash. Sometimes they just need a little knuckle to the side of the head. Those of you who are laughing probably have great kids. <laughs> Sometimes there needs to be a jar. Sometimes there needs to be a in your face. This has got to stop. I mean, there have have been some folks that have come through our doors that we have labored with and labored with and labored with and labored with, but eventually it just comes to a point where you say, hey, no more, you're not serious, you're not real, you're not really repentant, you just keep going and going and going and doing and doing and doing, and you gotta stop. And sometimes it takes the backside of the door and disfellowship from the community for God to be, to be able to, to, to jar someone back into faith and into true repentance. And that's what Paul wants for this guy who is acting in this sexually immoral way. He says, read with me verse 4. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus. You are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Paul wants, for, Paul wants to knock this guy with a knuckle on his head to bring him back to his senses. Sometimes you gotta go out and sleep with the pigs for a little while to come to your senses, Amen. That's what Paul wants. Even the pagans know what you're doing is is a terrible thing. You you, you can't be here anymore. You gotta go out and you gotta figure some stuff out, but we cannot let you sit here in good faith and in good standing because you're gonna ruin everything about uh, the holiness of the God that we worship. As we we walk through 1 Corinthians, here's what I hope you understand. We don't take the church seriously enough. We don't take church membership in our country seriously enough. This is, we are surrounded in the holiness of God when we come together to worship him in that holiness. It's, it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. You, you and I, we, we get to experience it right now, to have it removed from us. Can you think of anything worse? To not have this, to not know and, and be known by other brothers and sisters who love the Lord Jesus, Listen, sometimes, when things get bad in our lives, sometimes you're going to get a call. Listen guys, if you divorce your wife, expect a phone call. From me, from Nick, from Jeremy, from Daniel, expect a phone call. And don't be surprised when we're like, "Brother, what is going on?" This is where that should happen. And if you go off and, oh, those elders, oh, they just mishandled everything. No, you divorced your wife, ding dong. We're trying to help because we love you and we love your wife and we love your family. We want to help. That's why we reach out. That's why we question. That's why we ask. That's why we want to meet. Because we love you. We got this thing Backwards. We think church is just some place where, you know, we're, we're by ourselves, we're alone in a crowded room, but not known, not being known. That's why small groups are so important. You need to know others and you need to be known. You need to, it's for your own good. It's why the church exists. It's why we come together. It's why God says, do not forsake the coming together. This is important. And sometimes you have to send someone on their way so they can sleep in the pigsty for a little while and come to their senses, turn them over to Satan, not because we want to see them destroyed. But because the discipline, did you hear what uh, Hebrews chapter 12 that uh, Tyler read? God is a good father. That's why he disciplines, because he loves. This is as harsh and as hard as it seems. This is God's grace in action. This is God showing how much he loves you. Listen, when your wife sits you down, when your husband sits you down, when your boyfriend or girlfriend sits you down, whoever it is that loves Jesus in your life, when they sit you down and they go, oh, man, there's a pattern, and it's not getting better, it's getting worse. That Understand that's not them being, oh, here we go again. Preach to me, preacher. That is grace. That's God's grace to you. I'm going to start talking about how much I love my wife again. Oh, I love her. Verse 6. You're you're boasting. And and can't you see it in our day and age? You know, in the history of America, which is not long, but in our couple hundred year history, 3% of the population have identified as LGBTQIA MIA for QRSTUP <sighs> This current generation you know you know the percentage it's it's astounding it, it has it has it's become exponential growth 30% 30% of Gen Z identify somewhere on the spectrum how did that happen Satan, that's a good answer. (laughs) Satan, for sure. But what's our world doing? Our world is shoving it down our kids' throats. I mean, all you have to do, hey, hey, all you white guys in the room, you want to be back in the public square? You You want people to listen to you again? Every time you talk, oh, there's mansplaining again, blah, blah, blah. You want people to pay attention? You want more likes on social media? Just become a trans. (laughs) I mean, companies like Nike, Anheuser-Busch, they're throwing money at Dylan Mulvaney's. Why? Because he's a weirdo who thinks he's a 12-year-old girl. Shoving it down throats it's so what happens why does this guy have to be removed from the church because he is going it's like a disease right every zombie movie is real when it comes to sin it infects it is a contagion and you can't just we can't just say hey it's okay it's okay just let let it go no get that guy out of there he's going to do, do you love your kids Do you want them to have good, successful marriages God's way? Then you've got to set the example, and you can't let anything else be shoved down their throats that uh, goes against what God says. This is important. Your boasting is not good. It goes back to verse 2. And, and you're arrogant? You should be mourning this thing. But you, you boast as if you're some oh tolerant, accepting church. Yeah, the wisdom of the world. Get it out of the church. We don't need it. We've got enough of it. We need the wisdom of God. Get this guy out of here. That's why Augustine called pride the mother of all sins. Arrogance. We think we know. We think we're smarter than God. No, what God says is true. And every man is a liar. Amen? Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Let's just read a couple verses here because we just went through Exodus. Hopefully we all remember the feast of unleavened bread and I'm not going to get into all the details of it here. But there's a 50 minute sermon online you can watch from Exodus. (laughs) Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven. That you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. Hey, Christ has done something. When he said on the cross, it is finished, something happened spiritually and and, and re- in real time, real life in in your world. We have been cleansed from sin. Which is why Jesus, shake it, all that sin that it so easily entangles, shake, continue to shake it off. Why? Because you're not bound. You're not a slave to sin anymore. Hear, hear the freedom in the gospel that we really have. What is that sin in your life, that, that thing, that is always there. It's always uh, ma- making you feel unworthy. You're always falling into it. Right? Most of us have some little thing out there that we, we know we shouldn't do, but we just keep finding ourselves falling into it. Listen, there is real, true freedom from that. In Christ, He has taken the sin out. We are no longer. Slith- Listen, there's nothing in your life that you can't have freedom from in Christ Jesus. Praise God! There's nothing. There is no sin more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ. You can be free. Paul is saying, shake. This stuff off and be who you really are. Be who God has made you a people free from sin. I mean, isn't God good? I'm so sick of defeated young men who just can't turn their computers off. Just turn it off, man. It's destroying you. You can't have a good marriage. Be tied to the things that you're watching and you can be free. There's no excuses. You can be free. How do I know that? Because God's spirit raised him from the dead. Sin, death, hell, the grave. I say it every Sunday. These things are really, truly conquered. Even death itself, the greatest enemy of mankind, Jesus defeated it. So you can be free. I had no idea I was gonna say any of this this morning. (laughs) But I feel it. And it's for somebody in this room. Be free. Be who God has already made you in Christ. Victory's already won. Be free. Stop being the sad, dejected oh, Eeyore, oh, this is me. I lost my tail again. I just can't seem to get it right. What are you saying about your God? This is the God of the universe who lived the perfect life that we have not and died in our place for our sin. Don't deject him, don't make his sacrifice don't don't you dare limit his power. Have you read this? It's awesome. It's awesome and it's true. God wants holiness for his people and that's why we're here that's why we open the book that's why we study the way we study that's why we worship the way that we worship and we need each other in this and when things really go off the rails it's up to us to help our fallen brother or our fallen sister Seven, cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. As you really are unleavened, for Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, word malice is some people are motivated. Their intentions are to work evil, to do evil. Paul says no more. Let us celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Just real quick, if you remember the Feast of Unleavened Bread... You know, a little, you can have a, you can, you can make some water and some flour and you, you can make some dough and you put just a little yeast on it, a little leaven. And that leaven works its way through the entire lump of dough. The whole bread becomes leaven from just a little bit of leaven. what so Paul. Leaven is always uh, pictured as sin, a little sin. It, it goes through the whole body. So at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when uh, uh, the ladies would make a brand new lump of dough, they would make sure there was no leaven in the house. There was no other bread because the spores would, would go across the room and contaminate the new dough. There's nothing you can do about it. A little leaven leavens the whole lump get it out get it out get it out so that the bread can truly be unleavened i wrote to you in my letter which by the way there was a letter before 1 corinthians there's actually four letters to the corinthians well there's actually five if you want to count of ones paul didn't write but uh, paul wrote four letters to the corinthians The first one has been lost to history, most scholars say, because Paul said way too many bad words in it. (laughs) I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexual immoral people. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world, or the greedy, or the swinders, or the idolaters. Since then you would need to go out of the world. I, I love how just practical Paul is. He says, I'm not, you know, you can't, you can't live in this world if you're gonna get rid, rid of all I'm not talking about the people out there. You're not gonna be able to clean up everything. But in the church, this is where I'm talking about. This place should be different. This place should be special. This place should not look in here as the world does out there. I'm not talking about all those people out there, but I am talking about you, your brothers and sisters, the family in Christ, the church, the local church of which we should be locked arms with and members of. I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. If he is guilty, not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. This is someone who claims to be a Christian. They say they're in. They've got the right shoes. They drank the right kool They say they're part. Paul says don't associate with them if they have these qualities Do not associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality. Now let's talk about sexual immorality for a moment. Because it's a junk drawer term. And it means everything. Uh, He's actually going to call out homosexuality in chapter 6. We'll get to that next week. But it's anything outside the boundaries of what God has set for marriage. I know our world has redefined it, but you can't redefine what God has made. The boundaries are a man and a woman together in lifelong commitment and covenant to one another that, that brings forth the fruit of the womb, the children Crazy. Here's how I know Satan's real. Because nobody wants marriage God's way anymore. And nobody even wants kids. We, we kill millions of kids every year for our own sexual convenience. Tell me Satan's not real. Who would do that? What is happening? Understand how blind we have become how far from God we have become. But you know what? can't fix everybody out there. You can't, you can't go live in a cave because that's what you'd have to do to not be around any of it. But in the church, with those who claim to be brothers, man, if somebody is walking outside the bounds of of. Human marriage between a man and a woman, you gotta do something, you gotta say something. Because it's God's grace to that pe- that person. Not to associate anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality. Look, that's everything else outside of Christian marriage. That's friends with benefits, that's being married in our hearts. You're not married in your heart. You're married in your past. Stop. (laughs) Self-love, pornography, everything outside. You'll never be able to love your wife. The way that God has created you to love her. If you are cheating on her with pictures. Well, Brent, you're just, you're just saying a lot today. And I just don't really know what to think about all this. It's God's grace. It's God's grace. How? How? I mean... The fields are white with harvest. But we got to clean up the inside first because God's already cleaned us up. So let's, can, let's, let's live in the victory that he has provided for us. It's time. It's past time. It's past time. So many, like the Roman soldiers at the feet of Jesus, They put him on the cross and they're casting lots for his clothes. They're playing games at the feet of God who is dying in our place for our sins. It's time to stop playing church. We need men of God. We need women of God. Hearts pure, minds clean. all in his grace. Don't associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed. Some people just always want a little more and greed doesn't have to be just about money. It can be about power, influence, social media, prestige, It could be me bragging on my wife or taking pictures of Steven Spielberg's kids. (laughs) Nothing cool ever happens like that in our life, so I have to say something about it. Right? Greed is just the lust, the want for more, more. It's worldly wisdom. More for me, more for me. Look at me, look at me, more me. Now we're gonna take up an offering. I'm just kidding. Preacher needs a new car. (laughs) (laughs) Got to bring some humor in here somewhere, right? Sexual immorality, greed, an idolater. All of our problems, right? It's really all about idols. It's, It's things that we... They can be good things. You can even take Christian marriage and turn it into an idol. You can take children who are a blessing from the Lord and you can make little idols out of them. How many of you know that, mom? Idolatry is anything we put in the place of God, anything we sit on the throne of our hearts, that only belong and should be reserved for God and God alone. The heart is an idol factory. And Calvin and Luther both said that, and it's true. We've got to be careful. We've got to. We've got to inspect ourselves. That's one of the things I love about communion. You know, we're going to get to First Corinthians chapter eleven. We're to examine ourselves. As we partake in the body and the blood of the Lord. This morning would have been a great morning for that, but oh well. The idolater, the reviler. right? Someone who just intentionally wants to hurt someone else. When when, when you have been reviled, someone is trying to assassinate your character in real time. That's what a reviler does. They they use words and mean to harm, mean to destroy. Does that mean you can't say anything? No, Paul just said, turn that guy over to Satan, but it wasn't in revile, it was for good. It was for God's grace to be restored in that person's life. But there are those revilers in this world who will assassinate you who will take the good that you do and talk about it as if it's evil. The drunkard. I love this one because, and by the way, I meant what I said last week. Not again. If you're an Anheuser-Busch guy, you're not anymore. Well, Joe Rogan said it wasn't that big a deal. Joe Rogan doesn't have the values of God. Who cares what Joe Rogan says? No more. Drunkard. Let's talk about the drunkard. Look with me cuz people people misunderstand. Does that mean you can't go to a Braves game and have a good time? No, that's not what it means. But James 5 is clear. Be not drunk with wine, for that leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. To be drunkard and to be filled are two continuous verbs. The person who drinks and drinks and drinks, it leads to debauchery. If you're living a life that's not worth living because you're just drinking all the time, that's what the drunkard is. Solomon said it, Better than anyone else in Proverbs chapter 23. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? (laughs) This is, I mean, this is a Saturday Night Live sketch. (laughs) Who has redness of eyes? Those who tarry long over wine, those who go to try mixed wine, do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a sermon. How many of you, you've been bit a time or two? The Bible's true, amen? This is not what our lives are to look like. We should not have lives that have no meaning. And when we go to the drink and when we wake up and we're looking for the next drink, it brings meaninglessness to our lives. And God has purpose for you God has meaning for you you are God's man you are God's woman in Christ Jesus you've been made free from this kind of nonsense I could read the rest but let's let's finish up first Corinthians the drunkard the swindler how many of you know the swindler Three cups in the fuzzball, right? Always always moving quick to get what they want, to help themselves. Don't, look what the Bible says, not even to, if they call themselves brothers, but their lives exhibit these traits, do not even sit at the same table with them, which in the ancient world, was one of the greatest parts of hospitality. To share a meal was to share your life with another person. Paul says, not these people. These people. And again, it's not that Paul wants you to be a mean person. It's that these people are never going to learn if God's people don't speak into them and tell them, hey, Christ died. His blood was shed. So you can be free from these things. And freedom is attainable in Christ. For what, I, what have I to do with judging outsiders? It is, not, is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. And next week, we get to talk about Christians suing other Christians because that's God's will. (laughs) Let's pray. I want to end with something that I said last week. It was kind of a mic drop moment, and I don't want it to sound as harsh as it does, but I, I do want to bring it up again and just say, maybe you didn't like my sermon today. Maybe this will be the last time you come to Four Points. I hope not, but maybe it will be. But listen, at some point, if you've been to three churches in the last five years, at some point, you have to look in the mirror. I don't think it's all those churches' fault. Let's pray. Lord God, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 is part of your word. And we need it. As much as we don't like it, as, as hard as it comes across. Father, you're a, you're a good father. You discipline those whom you love. Help us. Help every man in this room. Lord God, there, there is a, a sin in all our hearts that you brought to the forefront today. God, help us defeat sin. Help us to be your men, men of God, men of prayer, holy men with holy hands in Christ Jesus. Father, raise up women of God, women of prayer, women of righteousness in this room. Father, may our marriages scream the gospel to those who we would come across as our marriages are supposed to, according to Ephesians chapter 5. God, may we be your people. It is in Jesus' name, every person said, Amen. amen.